J.T. Crowley is Talking Books. On this show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. They'll give you their take on the writing process and how to create the secret sauce of page-turning deliciousness. Let's get into that magical mixture of the art and science of creativity. Here's J.T. Crowley, author of The Smart Kids and your podcast host. Hello, everyone. I'm J.T. Crowley, and I'm delighted to welcome on the show today David Keith Greenaway from North Wales in the United Kingdom. David has joined us today to chat about his book, AlienGG7.co.uk, the first chapters, A Philosopher's Dream 114. Having chatted to David over the last few weeks, I'm told that the original concept of the book stemmed from a collection of daily blogs he put out on social media, loosely based on what he saw and what was going on in the world on those particular dates. Hence the dates that you see, you will see in the book. That's the day that he originally did those blogs. And they go from August 2019 onwards. So for me, this book is David's clever inner conscience, working around planet Earth, particularly from a financial point of view, because that's what David wants to emphasize, everybody, more than anything else. When I did my research, I got the sense that some of David Greenaway's peers saw the book as unparalleled and establishment-changing. One of his reviews, when I looked on Amazon, described the book as life-changing, motivating, or inspiring a masterpiece. World leaders take note. So is this a game changer? Well, let's ask David if he feels it's a game changer and you at the end, having listened to the interview, can decide for yourselves whether his book is a game changer. So let's invite him onto the show to catch up with him, talk to him and find out about his book. David, come and join me. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, it's David. A it's a pleasure to join you on your five programme. Oh, you're very welcome. And how are you today? Um, I am fair to middling, continuing day, day, each day at a time, which I've been doing for some years now. Good. David, I when I look at, you know, I've already mentioned that about the game changer. Do you see your book as a game changer uh, book, you know, for society to contemplate, think about, and perhaps change the way that they do things? Um, if this could be established in society, I think it would change the game considerably. I mean, there are parts of my book and then further on into my blog on aliengd7.co.uk where I've mentioned uh, various things like large communities like London or financial base or, or engineering bases would become smaller. There will be smaller communities with facilities that smaller communities in the past actually had, like fire stations, policemen, 
hospitals, nurses, schools, libraries, but there will be smaller communities, and smaller communities are better for people because people will get to know people. So in one way, it would change if it was if it was established in society, it would change the game that way. But also, um, the financial aspect of it, if we weren't all chasing our tails around with the debts that we have, we could all get on with the society whereby, I mean, in, in my ideal envisionment of my idea, we're actually working for a society that we enjoy working for because we're not being forced to work to make sure we've got money in the bank to pay our debts, but we're actually choosing to work. So in that way, I think it could be a game changer. Oh, wow. Um, David, before we actually get into the main body of the book, I want to understand um, the thinking behind the title because it's pretty unique, to be honest with you. Um, AlienGG7.co.uk, the first chapters, A Philosopher's Dream 114. Because for me, it's, it's highly unusual. And a book's title needs to give, needs to be eye-catching, which this is. And it certainly needs to give an indication as to what is within the book itself. So was the title deliberately set up this way? And do you think it's thought-provoking enough to get readers to open the book and have a look? Um, I did actually spend some time deliberately thinking of a title which I thought might give an indication of what I was trying to get across. Um, the 114 part is a little bit of tongue-in-cheek because um, apparently I was told by a Muslim colleague of mine that God had produced 113 books and I decided, okay, we'll have this as 114 then. But that was just tongue-in-cheek. A, 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 a student of philosophy and psychology friend of mine read the book back home in Wales. And when he gave me the book back, he actually said, you're right, a philosopher's dream. So, therefore, I think if a student of philosophy and psychology is saying that to me, then I can fairly um, steadfastly think to people or tell people that that's what they're actually reading inside the pages of my book. <clears throat> I quite like the 114, the tongue-in-cheek bit. Yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, for me, David, this book is it's, it's, it's a grouping. It's a collection of 155 blogs dating from, as I've always hinted at, from August 2019 through to August 2021, everyone. Most of the, uh, the blogs, the statements, are extremely short. Others are a little bit more expansive. So just to give the listener a tantalizing insight, because this is the whole idea of the podcast, is to give you a flavor, a flavor of what David and his book is about. It's not to give the game away. So, David, so let's have a look at some of the statements in your book, you know, your comments, your blogs, your statements, however you want to dress it up. Let's go to the first statement. And here you talk about the new age of enlightenment, public enemy, money wealth, 
where did this concept, you know, where did all these, this thought come from? This came from my day-to-day living my life. <clears throat> I mean, albeit on the, the lower side of uh, reality, perhaps people would say, because of my drug habits and one thing and another. But living a life always financially prohibited. It's like whatever I wanted to do, I had to find the money to do it. Now, my idea gives people the money to live the lives that they want to live. It also hopefully, like I said to you just now, it also hopefully gets us with a society that we'd like to work for as opposed to being forced to work. And it would generally, my hope is that it would generally lift the spirit of the earth. It would actually lift our spirits on. That's my hope, anyway. If we were actually choosing to get up in the work, choosing to get up in the morning to go to a workplace of our own choosing, of something we look, even if it's only stacking shelves, because I mean, stacking shelves in um, a supermarket must be quite a meditative thing to do if you can do it in the right spirit of the thing. Everybody, I, I have always believed, David, that. Everybody has a part to play in society. And absolutely that was said by Confucius, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. We don't all need doctors or lawyers or solicitors. We need people to do the, the practical side of things. And when they're not there, boy, we miss them very much. Well, we're seeing that in the UK at the moment with all the all the um the incomers that came who have left and now we've got no one to no one to do the simple jobs. Absolutely. Um, I want to go to um, blog and statement 12, and I hope you don't mind me referring to them as blog and statement and then the number, because that's what they are. You've got them in the book, is that? Yeah. yeah. And this is Alien GG7 13,000C refrain. For me, now the reason why I want to talk about this um, blog is because for me this is an important blog statement for I think it goes somewhere to the very essence of your book you talk about alien gg race a one-eyed race and that the name and the number is derived from spiritual and digital information would you care to share your thinking here to the listeners and why was this chapter once again, this is tongue in cheek. It's written from, I mean, I know I, I can quite qualifiedly say that I've never been into space, but I'm writing this from the point of view of a race of extraterrestrials who have seeded the planet Earth some time ago and have returned to try and ascertain what needs to be done to get us into a society which we can all enjoy. Because I believe the creator being or God, or whatever you like to call said thing, wants us to be happy above all. So basically, I mean, I mean, I'm a bit, there's a lot of things I would like to put in this answer, but I can't put everything in, obviously, because of the time significance. But a, the DMGD race do exist. And I know, and I, a lot of my inf- information comes from spiritual channeling now i'm not trained at this but i i i know a lot of the stuff is what i'm saying is true because 
I have time and time again had physical proof. So the alien 2D race come from outside the void. They create stars, planets, etc., etc. They might they might be one of God's contractors because even an omnipotent, omnipotent being like God can't do everything himself. So that that's just a hint at it. I mean, if we could get into a conversation that could go on for hours about that particular subject. <laughs> Spiritual challenges. Now that's a thought. Hmm. Do you want to go down that avenue just very briefly? Oh, I've, I've been a lot of the stuff I pick up on on the internet is spiritual teachings, and um, one yeah. of the things that spiritual people like to do is put themselves outside of their comfort zone, whether that be physical pain, whether it be mental pain, whether it be mental stresses and strains, but that kind of. Thing, I mean, I, I've been led to believe that, that kind of thing makes you grow, which I, I'd have to admit to, even though I don't like saying it, because I'd, I'm one of these people that would, la- would like to comfortably grow into the spiritual being I am in my settee or on my settee, rather than actually going out and doing myself the harm that is needed to make myself grow. But that's an interesting. View. That's an interesting viewpoint. Hmm. Spiritual uh, challenges. Sorry, spiritual challenges. We all face those on a day-to-day basis, just by trying to be nice to people, by trying to smile at somebody. And if they don't smile back at you, you end up thinking, "Well, why are you being like that?" And you shouldn't do. You should just carry on smiling and let them get on with their day. Move on. That's what's it. You know, yeah. Yeah. Move on to the next person. And. You know, I, I want to, uh, David, um, touch on a subject here, because you, you do, you, you've put a blog statement number 40 in here. And it's, you know, you're talking about mental health issues. Did you put um, this, you know, subject matter in deliberately for you yourself or a person who, you know, I'm aware has lived, as you've said on previous chats we've had, that at times you've lived your life on the edge. And right. you've balanced your life coping with a mental illness issue yourself. You know, you talk about anxiety, you talk, we've talked about perception, we've talked about all sorts of things. And you even go into quote on this bit here about David Bowie. This statement, this blog is important to you, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, it's me standing on the hustings in my own way. <laughs> Do you want to embellish on that a little bit more? Yeah, it's like basically because of my criminal record and my mental health record and one thing and another, I don't think I could stand for a public office or I would have problems. It's like it would it would all be brought out in the wash and the finger would be pointed at me. But doing it this way, I've created my life as a sort of art form. And everything I do is my art. Now, I'm, what I'm doing in my website and my, advertise, my advertising online and what have you and one thing and another on my book, it's all my art describing how I've been growing, how other people can grow themselves and how that can help society 
if we can meet each other in the dance that society truly is. Well, that's a fascinating thought. And I, I have to be honest with you, I wasn't expecting that sort of answer. Um, because, yes, I mean, there are people who are marginalised in society and they do live on the edge of society and they see life from a very different point of view. Whatever you know, They've experienced something's happened to them in the past. Um and I was just curious as to why you put that uh, statement in, that blog in, number 40, um, you know, around the mental issues. That's why I thought I would ask the question. Was well, that all also, right with you? Also, before we change the subject, <laughs> mental, health, mental health issues are also um, spiritual awakenings in a lot of situations, including, including illnesses like Alzheimer's and old people's mental health problems as well. They are spiritual awakenings. It's rememberings of past times that weren't in this life, and it's stirring to the possibilities of all the futures that there are. Okay. Interesting again. Um, but I think I need to go to the blog and statements Um which is 103, because this is, that again, this is the, the essence, the very core of your book. And you head this up as debt again. Now, when you look at the book, everybody, um, Dave has got a few statements and blogs that are relating to finance and debt, because this is the message he wants to get across. And you're not only talking about personal debt, but you're talking about government debt. You're talking about world debt, you know, and the impact that debt has on society. Does this subject worry you and does it concern you? And was that the reason for talking about it in your book? It makes me angry. It makes me very, very angry because it's like, Imagine all the beauty that could be created and all the beauty that could be in people's hands if they weren't financially constrained. And therefore, if, if we weren't chasing our tails around, paying for things that we're told we need, paying for things that we... Some, some of us work out what we need and we, we, we pay for those things. But the vast majority... I mean, what is it? In reality, there's maybe 5% of the world that isn't in actual debt to somebody. Would you agree with me saying that um, probably about 5% of the world earns more than the rest of the world? Yeah, the off our backs. Off our backs. Off, off the debt that we're into them. They don't actually do any work for it. They just lend us the money. We pay them back with the interest. It's like with my, with my, with my system, everybody in the world would have too much money to spend in a lifetime, each individual person. I'm not suggesting we take the money off the top 5%. I'm suggesting that we give money to the people who do the work to keep society going. So it's like those people that have money, whether it be earned, whether it be um, 
um, what's the word? Whether it be inherited, whether it be generated by a brilliant idea, those people can keep their money. What I'm suggesting is you take care of the, the little people, the people that keep society going by giving them too much money to spend in a lifetime. Then get these people, and I know I know the intellect is there because I, I chat to people in the pub, I chat to people online. So, so I know the intellect is there in these common people to work for a society where we enjoy working for it because because the work ethic is there. I mean, people will say it's the labour work ethic, well, the labour work ethic, but the work ethic is there. Basically, I don't, I've, I've, I've been on mental health issues now since 1998. I've ended up in a situation, I mean, this is a few years ago now, when I had nothing to do. And having nothing to do drives you insane. It drives you more insane than you are when you already go in, when you first go into the mental health system. So it's like basically people need something to do with their time. You can't just spend all your time. I mean, even people lying on a beach will only want to do it for a fortnight. And by the end of the fortnight, they're thinking, well, we've got to find something to do now. I only do it for an hour. <laughs> Well, there you, there you go. That you're a classic example. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't do it for that long anymore. I don't want to take my belly out under the beach. I'm trying to lose weight, however. <laughs> right. So, I mean, when I look at your your last um, blog, your last statement, um, again, I think this is a very poignant uh, subject that you're talking about. And you know, and you head this up as cheat death except in an emergency and here you briefly uh, skirt around the issues of death is death a poignant factor in your life David well I told you just before we came on air that I lost my mother on um, Thursday the 18th of August Um, this is after me having some success with manipulating healing energies. And it's like, I didn't quite manage to get it to go as far as I would have liked it to. But I saw my mum's death mask and she passed peacefully. And I also said to you, I've, I've had messages from beyond. It's like pieces of music coming on, reminding me of her. And um, <clears throat> well, I won't go into full detail, but I am quite satisfied that she's safe and we'll have a hug again sometime. But this, I mean, this is where I tend to get biblical and, and start quoting biblical stories, like <clears throat> the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. <clears throat> you may or may not believe in that, but I do wholeheartedly believe in the resurrection of Christ. And there are a lot of reasons the Garden of Eden story. Um, it further on in my website, not in the first book of mine, further on in the website, I'm starting to reveal things that I've been realising about the Garden of Eden and the actual poison that resulted in what people believe is a metaphor, but certainly isn't. And um, But... 
triumph over death. I mean, there are part, there are other parts of the blog where I'm talking about we're coming to a time of life extension. Now, uh, if you look at if you look in the right places on social media and what have you, you can pick up on this kind of thing that they'll be they'll be able to use medical medical drugs to prolong life soon. There are certain ways of doing prana that will uh, prolong life. And in the Bible, there are stories of people living for thousands of years in one life. So I think there is more to these stories than the modern world gives credence to. Wow. Um, David, hopefully um, I've whetted people's appetite enough here, enough to make them go and look at um, David Keith Greenaway's book, for I've only gone into four um, so-called topics that you've talked about, uh, the, you know, the tip of the iceberg, uh, so to speak. But in your uh, your blogs, your statements, you, you also go to other um, issues and just say you talk about the right of creation, you talk about porn and shopping, you talk about families, COVID-19, DNA tracing, Israel, religion, solar politics, global warming, black holes. You actually talk about a whole host of things. And so there's a broad aspect to your book here on all sorts of different issues. So where do you get your ideas from? Where do you get your facts from? And and do you particularly choose topics which you think are relevant to yourself and the way that you lead your life? Oh, that's a two-prong question. My topics, my topics sort of come to me. It's, it's like inspiration. I mean, you, you, I don't know if you've ever done anything where you've required inspiration, but it seems to just come from somewhere in your mind. So, and a lot of what I've written about, I've actually experienced. What was the second prong to that question, sorry? Where do you get the facts from? And, you know, are you know the subjects that you talk about, are they relevant to you? Are they important to you? Well, the ones that aren't to me just waxing lyrical about things that I think might, might, might create a conversation for somebody someday if they read my book or if they happen to see a quote from it or something like that. But it, it's... It, Stephen Hawking said all we have to do is keep on talking on that BT advert. And I, I, I tend to believe it's, once again, being religious again, in the beginning with the word kind of thing. So words create society. So the more words we have into society, the more varied it will become. And it's, um, as I say this... Um, I think some of the things I talk about haven't been spoken of on this world. So I'm, this is the thing, my my head is like a sponge. I I pick up on things that seem teeny and I'll look at it and I'll play with it and I make sense of things. In your own way? In my head and in my own way. Wow, and then I and then I try to tell people about the sense I've made to myself in a way where it can be understood. Okay, that's fascinating. Um, David, who do you see as your market for your book? But furthermore, who would you like to see reading your book? 
<laughs> That's the question, President, isn't it? Pres- President Putin, President Biden. All right. Get get these people around the table with my idea, with my financial idea, and get them to understand the common people, and then they might hurry the idea through. That's all I'm thinking. But no, my my book is for anybody that's interested in life, because I think my book, in a way, mirrors life because it goes from one extreme to the other. What's next for David Greenaway? Any more books in the pipeline? Um, well, as soon as I have finances available, I mean, I was hoping to sell more books than I actually have so far. That's been a little bit disappointing. But I don't know whether that's because you can actually access the website to read it for free as opposed to having to buy buy the book. But the book is there. The book I preserved as paper because I wanted to make sure that the, the financial idea survived. So it's like I know I know there are now hard copies of that, so that it won't get lost to society. Because um, I mean, there are famous Chinese sayings or North American Indian sayings about if you plant the tree and you realise you won't, you might not sit under it, then you understand the nature of society or you understand the nature of life that way. Okay. Um... Where can people get your books from, David? It's available on Amazon, Next Libris. If you go onto my website, although on my website I'm having problems with the shop at the moment, and I've got to phone GoDaddy about that. Um, you can Amazon, Next Libris, Barnes and Noble. Um, Amazon are actually doing it at quite a reduced price at the moment. So if anybody's interested in a reduced price version. But my website, when I get it up and running again, I actually do do signed copies on there. So if if people give me their names, I'll make, I'll make sure it's signed and put a little note in there. There you go, everyone. David Keith Greenaway, thank you for giving me the opportunity to interview you and review your book. I wish you the very best of luck with it. Thank David you. Greenaway, everybody. Well, as I say at the end of each interview, I'm JT Crowley. Thanks for listening, watching wherever you are in the world. So until next time, stay safe.